Welcome to Sonic Talk. This is episode number 333, which probably has some kind of uh, numerologic, numerological... Yeah, that's nine. Yeah, well, I knew you'd like that, Mark, which probably means I should come to you because you have introduced yourself by your very presence. Mark Tinley oh over there, God. like being. Uh, let's not forget, I, I, first I'd like to apologise because I did say, and the winner of this week's comp- last week's competition, which I missed, is before I did the ad, and then I didn't do it. But this week, I definitely will actually um, do the ad. I promise, honestly. At least that's my intention. So <laughs> uh, that's obviously because... I'll try and remember to remind you. Because we have... That's right, at the end of the ad, if I don't mention the, the competition winner. Uh, so anyway, um, Sonic State 333, uh, sponsored by Isotope once again. Thank you very much. Uh, and Mark Tinley is over there with... Uh, with yet another hair week. That's a fabulous. That's some fabulous hair you're sporting there, Mark. I'm very much pleased. It's all to... real. All what? of it's real. That's good. <laughs> it seems to be very. Um, what's the word? Verdant. If that's the right sort of word. Verdant I isn't. I was wearing a hat and then I took it off and I was meant to wear the hat, but I've got so much puppy trouble and it's like oh. this house has turned into a madhouse. A mad puppy farm. <laughs> Well, Mark, Mark Tinley, of course, is a sound designer and creative thinker and uh, has joined us. Likebeing.com is where you want to go if you want to see more Mark and what Mark does and is yeah. about. To my madly diminished website, actually. I attacked it earlier on because I you, decided it was all completely inauthentic and I needed to be more real, man. It's the Glastonbury thing. That's what happens when you move to Glastonbury. You want to watch out for that. You'll start, you'll, you'll start wearing kind of uh, multicolour mohair garments. And, um, I'm not sure if I'm living will, in actually. a yurt. I was thinking more about wearing a suit, just because I have this kind of whole thing about being different, and the only way to be really different would be to wear a really sharp suit in Glastonbury, because everybody looks like they've either tumbled out of a Hawkwind concert or fallen out of a hedge backwards. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Crazy, I'm sure the good people of Glastonbury will be pleased to be uh, pigeonholed as such by all of us. Anyway, thank you very <laughs> much. Uh, let's go to Gaz Williams. He's over there in uh, his garret in uh, in HD. As we can see, his ever expanding setup, which seems to be encroaching on your recording space, there, Gaz. <laughs> Yes. Um, well, I, like I've been mentioning over the last few weeks, I've been doing these kind of creative zones, which um, is growing all the time. And what I mean by creative zones is uh, computer-free sort of yeah. environments using lots of bits and bobs. But um, my latest uh, my latest arrival a few days ago was uh, the latest uh, Boss Loop Station, the RC505, oh, which, is, yeah. which is a very groovy piece of kit. And uh, ostensibly, it's kind of marketed at... at Beatboxes and, yeah. and the like, but um, I've got it set up over here with um, with a whole array of uh, I've got well I've got a large uh, MIDI foot controller and I'm I'm looking at trying to um, use it as a as an instant songwriting setup. So it, it's great actually because everything is live and ready to go. So um, yeah, and I got like the iPad with a little CME X key going into it. I've got my uh, OP1 going into it. I've got a bass guitar and an electric guitar going into it through a Pod X3 Live. And 
I've got the TC Helicon um, Voice Live Touch going into it as well, and that's that's MIDI to it as well. So that's got a six-channel looper that is uh, tempo synced to the RC505. So, so like you sit there, and basically everything that you do, you just have to just slap a slap a button, and it'll record. So you don't have to kind of set up any tracks or anything. It's a, such a instantaneous way of um, of creating. It's uh, Oh, yeah, that it's sounds fab. nice. I've been uh, I've been playing with the base station two, which arrived yesterday. Um, I haven't got a camera set up on there. That would just be too much to add yet another camera to it. So mm-hmm. I'm afraid I'm not going to go to that. But Gaz, of course, I uh, should remember is a professional bass player. Uh, plays with Carl Hyde and very many other people. Uh, as well as, um, well, pretty much music technologist, I think would be fair to say. So thank you very much for joining us, Gaz, and uh, sharing your thoughts there. Um, so, we, God, we've still got two more guests. I can't believe it. We're going through, going through them. Um, Dave Spears, g4software.com, uh, makers of fine musical instruments of the software variety, surrounded by analog there as he is in his wonderful um, HQ. We went to visit him last week, and I was uh, very, very, very enamoured with your octave cat. I must say. What's that you're holding? Is that another thing? That's the cat stick. The cat stick. Ready? Well, yeah, mad this is. Yeah. I don't know whether you can get the... Uh, let me just see. Oh, it's got a little joystick on it, right. It's a joystick, and then you go... How annoying is that? That is great. Is wow. that, just do that out of the box, then, does it? You just plug it in, and that's the noise it makes. Or can... No, look. Oh, look, wow. a gazillion possibilities. I can't wait to use it with the modular. That's really interesting. It sort of reminds me a little bit of, like, that um, the Moog CV pedal a little bit, isn't it? Because it's just basically a bunch of LFOs and CV and out so you, that you can use to control additional things. Is that about right? Uh, yes, I guess so. There are a load of VCAs and voltage-controlled uh, knobs, and yeah, basically two LFOs, and you can route the X and Y axes of the um, joystick to the LFOs, three waveforms on the LFOs, and then you can obviously change the control voltage, so you can have lesser or or a greater degree of uh, madness. And I'm kind of in love with it, actually. Sweet. That sounds so, yeah. really good. Yeah, it's I'm making I'm, a really good noise. It is making a really good noise. I'm just yeah. trying to find Rich because Rich has uh, diminished in size for some reason, and I'm just going to go and um, there we are. I can, oh no, that can't be right. I seem to have two connections to Mark, so that's not not right. I know what it is. I'm looking at the wrong thing. Just give me a moment. There we are. That's Rich. I can get Rich to full size. I don't want to see you diminished in any way, there, Rich. Rich Hilton, of course. Uh, works the controls uh, of Nile Rogers' personal studio, as well as being um, the main man, well, the keyboard player of Chic as well, or one of the keyboard players of Chic. A man of many talents. How are you, Rich? Good, thank you. Very well. Excellent. Is the audio all right and fine? Because I know we've had some, I think I've fixed this kind of uh, robotic effect that's been happening. We, there we go. We Sounds have great. Good. Looks great. Sounds Super. great. Super duper. Everything is great then, by all accounts. Right. Um, so, got some fun this week, I do hope. So, we'll start off with our first topic, which is... Well, this one came from Mark, actually, and uh, it's opened up a whole can of worms as I was doing research, and I can't wait to talk about it. This is the artist, as uh, she's called... Uh, if I pronounce this right. Maluka. 
Very appealing. She looks like she's really enjoying herself. Got a lovely smile, but this is a, a cover of Skyrim. I'm not going to play all of it because um, I'll probably get into trouble. But that is effectively, that was uh, an interpretation of uh, Skyrim, which is a uh, massively selling computer game. And Mark, you found this and the, the initial sort of thread was, you know, I, when I listened to it, I didn't think, I, I only thought about the production. Uh, I, some, yeah. So uh, exactly, uh, and we uh, one of the what, so one of the things is you know when do you just listen when are you listening to the production over the content? Uh, and we can talk a little bit more about Skyrim and the music and all of that stuff in a sec. But I just wanted to allow you in first because it was your your find. Well, so my friend Morgan um, posted this on his Facebook wall, I think, and said, "Oh, check this girl out. This is really beautiful." And I listened to it and I went. <clears throat> Hmm, that's interesting, but the reverb on her voice is so huge, she sounds like she's in a cathedral, and the guitar's really dry. And I sat for two and a half or three minutes watching her singing and playing, and got to the end of it, made that comment on his wall, saying, yeah, it's really nice, but it's really badly produced, because this should be like this, and it just feels wrong, and blah, 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 blah. And then I went, oh... Actually, I should just click on that and have another look. So I clicked on it. It opened on YouTube this time. I saw 10,900,000 views. And I thought, none of those people are worried about that. And then I thought, did I listen to the song even? And I realized (laughs) that I hadn't listened to a single word she said. So I didn't know what the lyric content was. I could remember a couple of guitar chords, which hopefully is you know, because I'm a guitarist and I probably just picked out, oh, she did that and that, and that was, like, um, interesting. But I realised that I I hadn't listened to the music, I'd only listened to the production. And then I sort of realised that half the time I analyse music. I don't spend hardly any time listening to songs for the sake of being songs. And I think I've probably been doing that for about 30 years, I would guess, maybe a bit longer than that. And it and it's a really weird place to be because so many people have such appreciation of music. And for me, it's an analytical kind of, you know, a process of, fight. oh, what did they use there? How did they do that? What's connected to that? Where does that go? What drum beat is that? How are mm. they doing that? And, and maybe I can use that in mine, and maybe that's a good bit, and if I use that in mine, more people would buy my music if I did that bit, but not that bit, because I don't like that, because it's too cheesy, and all this. It's like a huge mental process. That's, I mean, a, that's a very interesting point there you make. I mean, and I think, I think to a degree, I was because I was thinking about this myself, um, I do the very much the same, but I think perhaps I do it when it doesn't appeal to my soul or my heart because I hear certain things and I just go, God, that's great. Or maybe I hear and it's got some technical aspects to it that I like and then the song part of it grows on me, but the song is not always the first thing that I would necessarily hear. Um, I don't know how anybody else feels about that. Rich, I mean, because you work, you know, you work in the studio probably more, uh, I have done sort of more on a day-to-day basis than, than, than all of us at the moment. Do you find that you can switch off your analytic part of the way you listen to music easily or does it does it take some practice um well in the studio i jump between right and left brain functions quite 
often, like on a moment-to-moment basis, because I'm asked to maintain certain technical things that have to be done correctly in order for us to be using our time productively. But at the same time, as a musician, I'm participating mentally in the musical process. And Mark and I have worked together, so I think Mark has seen me work like this. And I've seen Mark work like what he just described, so none of this really surprises me. Um, but I, I, getting to the question of when I started listening to music from a production aspect, probably the first time I heard Sgt. Pepper, which was right upon its release in 67, and or right the, around the first time I heard the first Jimi Hendrix album is when I started thinking about what the production was apart from what the music was. And to me, as I listen to things, they're inextricably, inextricably, they're very tightly linked. (laughs) And uh, they all represent sort of one painting to me. And in the case of this girl, I was not at all distracted by the vast amounts of reverb on her voice, but I did go and look at her web pages, and she talks about how much she likes singing into a lot of reverb. Yeah, well, I guess with a solo artist, that's 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 you know, and it's got that it's that sort of Celtic kind of uh, Enya esque kind of vibe, I suppose. Which you know, maybe uh, part of it. Just perhaps a bit more about uh, her. She is uh, actually um, she's a graduate of Berklee College of Music with a dual major in music production and engineering and film scoring. So um, she's a fairly you know well qualified individual. <laughs> uh, and, a, and you know, more about got, it than me, though. well, perhaps she does. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Dave, how do you how do you listen? Do you find you can, or do you have to kind of get to a special place before you can listen without a- analysing, or is it all part of the same thing? It's all related, but I think it's actually an immersive thing. I, I, I was thinking about this; it's quite it's a really interesting topic. I remember as a wee boy, you know, pretty much putting my head in the speakers of the stereogram. And actually, I went and because I love the sound and I wanted to be immersed in the sound, and I think that's you know why I love sound is so much. Uh, with her track, I got as far as the word dragon, and then I kind of sort of switched off because I don't do Dungeons and Dragons and all those kind of things. But it is kind of it can be really annoying, kind of constantly being analytical. Because even if I hear a track coming from like a neighbour's house, I've got to work out what it is. And it'll drive me insane until sometimes I'll even actually go out and stand outside until I know, ah, oh, okay, that's the baseline from that track or whatnot. So I think, yeah, I don't know. It's very, it's a very strange thing. But I think the ability for sound to immerse you in what was it you said right at the beginning, a feeling, right? If it gives you a vibe or a feeling, I think that's the kind of crucial thing. Um, well, yeah, and I think that's, I, I think. It is hard to analyse. We've talked about the way that, you know, with music production, particularly electronic music, where you have to flip-flop between uh, creative and and process brain uh, rapidly and sort of continuously. So, I mean, it's it's sometimes nice to switch that off and just get immersed in the music. And there's almost a moment when you think, oh, I really like this, that you stop. But things always pick your ear. You always think, oh, that was interesting. I wonder how they did that. I know, Gaz, you were... I think that's what I really like about working with other people. Right. So you you don't have to yeah, I understand what you're saying there. Gaz, how about you? Um, well, I think what makes us um, music professionals, I suppose, is the ability to be able to, you know, turn that on, uh, 
and in in that case it's kind of a good thing like uh, i'm just thinking about today i've been doing some vocal tracking and um the singer brought some uh backing tracks along to sing over and uh they'd been um pitch shifted from the original uh key um up a tone and you know i was hearing all the gurgling and 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 in and pitch shifted really badly as well yeah no, that's, that can be very distracting can't it so I, I was hearing all the kind of gurgling and bubbling uh, that that <laughs> kind of brings along um and the the singer and her partner they were completely oblivious to it you know they were and then i pointed it out and i said oh this and they were like oh well oh, no so then we got the original track then and and then i did like a kind of offline high quality sort of pitch uh, pitch shift to it and then did a direct comparison and it was really obvious to them then so i was just kind of thinking about this how they then could hear it they couldn't hear it before it just sounded it just sounded okay to them mm. even though to me it sounded awful uh so um so definitely like you know being able to switch into that analytical mode is is is, is a useful thing and uh, obviously to be able to switch out of it as well would be a useful thing uh i think i you know i wear a few different hats i suppose and um when i'm a musician i really need to be uh totally in the the musical space and if I have to, I mean, I've mentioned this before many times, I think, if I have to then switch across into an analytical thing, it really affects my ability to be a, a you know... Musical. A musical, yeah, definitely. Um, but the other thing that this was making me think about was when you go back and listen to music that you used to know really well when you were little or young, you know, really young, before you had any understanding of this stuff, and, and when you hear it, those sounds, being able to actually understand what it was is quite it's quite an interesting thing and the example i was thinking of was um i was really crazy about the police when i was a kid um you know they were like uh when they came on the scene i think i was about eight or nine and they were the first band i was really into and i really crazy about them and um i knew their albums inside out you know really inside out every single sound but i didn't know what the sounds were so then when you listen to them with the knowledge right. and the, you know, you hear it, and you think, oh, so that, that's uh, uh, thinking. This like kind of uh, Moog Taurus pedals. Yes, that's what that they used to, yeah, they used to of, of that stuff, uh, yeah. Uh, um, So it's quite interesting. But then, has the music lost? I suppose this is the the question. Then, though, isn't it? Is does the music lose its its mystique, its kind of magic when you can understand all the components? You know, that's it's, you know, it, is it? Yeah, is it not? Is it not magic anymore? Is it just a you know? Is it just a bunch of techniques and equipment? You know. <laughs> that, no, that, I, I, that, that is yeah, that is interesting. I mean, I, I mean, but you, by the same token, you get that thing where um, you know you don't you you have a memory of something that from your youth, and then when you hear it again, it's it's disappointing because you the context of it and what you know and what you've heard since ah. sort of devalues it somewhat. And, well, I, actually, this is exactly the uh, this is what I was going to say. Uh, I thought Stuart Copeland was like the most amazing drummer, you know, and I used to think, oh, gosh, what he used to do was incredible. But then when you listen to it now, you just realise it's just loads of sort of echoes on his hi-hats. And, you know, he still well, is. A, uh, no, know, he's an incredible great. drummer. Uh, I mean, he really is. But, yeah, some of but, it is that. Some... 
but you realise that like so the, all these skittery little bits and stuff are coming off the the delay, but you just didn't know. You just didn't know that was a delay because you didn't even know what a, you know an echo or delay was. Right. So, so it just it was just him playing every single bit of those things. But, um, Seems to be generating a lot of uh, a lot of uh, chat in the in the chat room, which is good to hear. I want to say welcome and thank you to you the know chat what, room. This is a problem. What's that? I can, I'll bring the subject right down to base level here. It's a real problem if you're getting laid and there's music on in the background. Because <laughs> there are certain points where you think, oh, what was that? And that kind of kills the moment, doesn't it? I don't know. Uh, you cannot listen experience. to certain... Yes. <laughs> it's true. Okay, how do you switch it off? How do you go back... I mean, what's happened is we've come, we've come from being the audience and seeing and hearing the magic to knowing what the magic trick is, and now we've become the magicians, I suppose, in a, in a certain way. So how do you stop being the magician and go back to, uh, to, to hearing the magic? How would that happen? Mm. It's got to be really special magic, which only happens <laughs> well, that, that very rarely. That cat stick thing. That's right. That's, that, that's exactly the sort of thing. Um, Interesting, interesting stuff. But there, there is more to this, and I, I know this. We're dwelling on this, but I mean, I didn't also realise for a start the original composer actually of Skyrim uh, was a, a chap called Jeremy Soul or Soul, and uh, his the album. It's astonishing. Um, basically, have I got it here somewhere? I think I probably I did have. It basically made it. It's, it's currently in the top five classical albums uh, for 2013, which means it, and it sold a lot of stuff. And it was just interesting. I mean, the number of views for a starter that this, um, if I can pronounce it, Maluka has got on that version is in the mil- tens of millions, which is astonishing, really, isn't it? I mean, this this whole genre and area of music that I had absolutely no knowledge of whatsoever. Um, and it's just, that's that's the thing. The other thing that's amazing. I mean, I wonder. You know, obviously, Jeremy Soul for creating a ge- a, ge- a soundtrack game from a big selling game like that is, you know, it's a massive revenue stream, and it's a completely different kettle of fish, isn't it? It's a completely different whole. That, well, and I'm sure we've talked about uh, music for games, but what's interesting, I suppose, is the fact that there's this entire area which um, was sort of rather new to me in terms of how how it works mechanically and what have you. Anyway, the Sky, but Skyrim looks fun if you like to play video games. It's not something that I personally like to play. Uh, I think now at this point, um, while I remember and while I'm able, I'm going to uh, play the ad and then I'm going to announce the competition winner, okay? So remind me because I've, I've failed the last couple of times. Anyway, so we'll, we'll start by playing the uh, bringing in, assuming this actually plays, which seems to be not playing at the moment. That would be good. Ah, there we go. Isotope. Of course, how could I fail to know? RX3, it's out. It's the. It's basically the big daddy of audio restoration suites. It's got so much to offer. Um, new in RX3, you've got the uh, de-reverb technology, so you can take the ambience out of a, 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 a sound source or actually emphasise it if that's what you wish. Uh, you've got uh, Dialogue Denoiser, which comes in the... the that's a higher price suite, uh, but that's a very high performance um, and uh, low CPU. Plus, you've 
plugin which allows you to process many tracks of dialogue. Great for big dubs and where you've got a lot of things. You can fix many audio problems. You're not only have you got the spectral repair, you've got declip, declick. Uh, you've also got brand new workflow enhancements such as tabbed browsing, uh, which means that you can open multiple documents at the same time, multiple undo. So when you save a document in uh, RX format, you've got that history with it. So you've got the ability to do a lot of things. So RX, go and get your 10-day trial, isotope.com RX. It really is well worth it. Uh, once again, we thank them for their continued sponsor of the show. And we do have a winner of the competition, and that is something that is important, at least to me, and probably to the winner when they finally hear. They've won a copy, a full copy of RX3, and the winner was a chap called Tron... Tronum, and the, 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 I better refresh your memory because uh, I missed it for so long. And what what it was is was to uh, just select a favourite clip of Sonic Touch, and uh, and Kim, the Isotope Fairy, actually said uh, agreed with me on this one. That the, what he said, there have been so many great Sonic Talk t- segments over the years, but if I had to single one out, it would probably be episode two one seven when Gaz writes and records a hey. a, a song in <laughs> on the spot in five minutes. It was a fantastic slice of creativity, uh. and, and I, I do have it here. I, I'm sure I can't find it, but um, I wonder if I played out with it at the end. Sonic. Or Stage. whether or not you've... Um, you may have um, given us a link to it. I'm just trying to look to see now. I don't think I did. Uh, so that might not work as a as a clip, but I'll try and maybe find it find it for the uh, for the edit, in which case it will go here. I'm going to take my headphones off, so I won't be able to hear you for the duration of this five minutes. So OK. That's them. And on, on with these. So I'm now deaf to you. Um, OK. Uh, I think I'm about ready, so uh, shall we go count down five, four, three, two, two one. one, go. Okay. Okay, here so we go. Thing we do, put down a beat. Uh, <laughs> right, I've got a little drum pad here. Uh, okay, copy, 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 copy. Little basic drum drum pad, uh, drum fill. Okay, uh, let's do. <laughs> Little ending. Let's <laughs> uh, <it's> now. <laughs> He's moving towards the tambourine now. Control V is the title, I think, of this particular podcast. <laughs> okay, we're getting some bass. Oh, some guitar. Okay.
liking it so far. And there's the ending. Two and a half minutes gone. What are we getting next? Is this a bass guitar? I can't tell. Yep, so I think the bass is coming now. Yeah. Dan Electro, isn't it? <laughs> Lovely. My mother, she locked me in the attic. She said, don't come out until you've done your homework. minutes to go <laughs> yeah go on still got a minute left what's she going to put on what are we going to get next I can't is there time for a prog rock synth solo Ten second guitar solo. Let's go. <laughs> okay, that's an ending. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, that's got to be. Awesome. I forgot to have the monitor on for the guitar solo, so I played it in the wrong key. Um, so I'll play the tune now and see, and see, see what it sounds like. Okay, let's go. <laughs> Awesome. 
Fantastic, Gaz. I just bearing your soul like that. I don't know how you do it. Thank you. Thank you for um, Tronum for your your uh, excellent choice, and thank you, Gaz, for providing that. There were a lot to choose from, um, and it was great fun. Um, so anyway, thank you once again to Isotope for their sponsorship of the show, and I will contact Tronum, or if you are listening to this, you can probably um, contact me and make yourself known. I, I have it here, and I have to check whether it was on the YouTube or the comments of the actual show. But anyway, there we go. So I finally did it. Um, so the next one, this looks interesting. Let me see. Um, oh, yes, this is the vintage Russian synth, which is bonkers. This is an application that runs on iOS, it runs on Android, uh, Windows, Linux, and OS X. And it's, an, it's, a scientific, it's an emulation, so it's very similar in, in many ways uh, to other spectral uh, ideas. But it, it turns sound, you put a file into it, you turn a sound, it gives you a visual representation, and then you can kind of mess about, draw and write, or draw onto it, brush, what have you. And it creates these really otherworldly sounds. In fact, um, it's, it's an emulation of a synthesizer uh, created by Russian engineer Evgeny Merzin, which was 1938 to 1958. Uh, it was in existence. It was used by Stanislav Kretschy, Alfred Schnicht, Edison Denisov, uh, and it was used on Tarkovsky's movie Solaris, The Mirror, and Stalker. Lots and lots of uh, things. And this is only a fibre. It's dirt cheap, actually. But uh, it did manage, I did manage to find, which was cool, if I go back here, I found the, a video of what it looks like, which is this. Uh... And which I don't know. <laughs> that looks like some sort of power station kind of uh, thing. If I, I, I don't know if there's any. This sounds like it's. An, yeah, this sounds like it was an audio clip. So it's not a video, but that's what it looks like. I, I believe. Gaz, I know you're you're big into uh, handheld apps. Did you check this out? It looks kind of fun, doesn't it? It, it does look good. I haven't actually downloaded it yet, but um, me neither. Oops. It's um, it's interesting, but the, I mean the sound there was. That was drenched in uh, like a reverb, wasn't it? Which was um, on the on the demonstration. Perhaps so, it's so yeah. Sort of, yeah, uh, which is nice. I mean, it does sound it does sound good, and it did bring to mind things like Solaris, uh, the original one. Uh, uh, it, it, it's interesting in that the iPad has in recent times become uh, the recipient of many many great synthesizers rather than sort of um you know second rate ones or you know there really is truly great stuff coming out on the ipad now you know in very very interesting uh apps so i think it's quite interesting that this one which has got I, i'm assuming i haven't tried this so i'm sorry i'm speaking off the just um blah blah but i are you able to drag your fingers on that uh, we'll have to check that. Interface. I, I suppose we mm. should probably um, take some uh, <laughs> uh, uh, th- some solace for the fact that I haven't actually looked. But, but Dave, I think there's a space just above your head where maybe you could build a platform to fit the uh, Soviet ANS. It would add a lot of heat up there. But I think that's uh, we can safely say that's a synthesizer you probably won't be able to get hold of. Or is that, uh, a cha- no. is that now like a challenge? No, I thought it was quite funny. The first thing I did... I- saw the demo of this is when he did the usual forum thing and went well yeah but it's nothing like the original is it <laughs> it's not analog enough no um in truth i thought this was really cool and obviously there are some echoes of what iris does except obviously with iris you can import sound and then you can 
work over the spectrogram as opposed to drawing in parts of the audio spectrum. But I, w- I went and bought it, actually, for two people immediately. Ah, OK. I'll reserve judgment. Uh, hopefully, I'll hear back from them in the next as to what they think of it. Ah, oh, thank you, Dave. And I'll let you know. Great. Well, yeah, sadly, it wasn't you, but... <laughs> no, no. Oh, that's all right. I'll get round to I mean, we were uh, out of the office. I, I, unfortunately, I, I haven't had a chance to check this out. We were out in the office yesterday, went up to Plaza and to get our visas for NAM show, so it was like a five o'clock start. I think I drove for nine hours yesterday, so that was to Grosvenor Square, which I thought I was going to miss my appointment. We made it, and then we got to... Um, then I went to Docklands and then back across London and home. And uh, I must admit, I haven't been that tired for a very long time. But anyway, it was fun. It's, it, was, it was always good. Um, Mark, does that appeal to you? Uh, you could it run it on a variety of things. Looks, it looks exactly like Metasynth to me. Oh, OK. So it appeals to me from that point of view. Um, uh, um, I probably won't buy it. <laughs> good. Uh, um, because, and not because of what it does, because it looks extremely clever, what it does, but because everything that comes from that particular kind of spectral synthesis sounds sort of similar to me. Right. Uh, when you start manipulating stuff, and it's not a sound that I want to use currently, so maybe at some point in the future, but not something I'm going to buy at the moment. Oh, fair enough. I think one of the interesting things is the fact that it's available for everything. So it's probably, you know, uh, uh, that's that's of interest, I guess. I don't know whether you can play yeah. it on a keyboard or, or has to be file play, but I know, Rich, have you had a chance to look at this? Yes. Ah. Spent, spent quite a bit of time watching this thing. Okay. Uh, does it, uh, is it of interest? I mean, I guess it, it, it probably, what it looks like it might be good for is sort of atmospheric sounds and kind of textures, which uh, rather than perhaps tuned signature sounds, right? Agreed. Agreed. And like uh, has been said by Mark and in the chat room, reminded me immediately of Metasynth and made me think that those guys had seen this. Um, but in any case, it's, uh, it's fun. It does certain things well and easily that are not easy to do in other places necessarily. It's got that sort of additive quality to it where you can draw frequency ranges. You know, I just, it's kind of neat in what it does. It doesn't, and as you say, it doesn't do everything. But it's cool. Excellent. Well, I think you can try that. Ah, out. Sorry, I've just uh, I've just downloaded it and I'm playing around with it. So, um. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like a bit of live uh, live uh, appraisal. Ah, there we go. Um, yeah. So just uh, so you can drag up and down left uh, for the uh, frequency, and then it looks like this. You can scale across on the top for the time. Right. Um, okay. So it is. I, I can imagine. I, I was just interested to see if it is using the multi-touch idiom, sort of, uh, a, a, as an integral way of interacting. Yeah, I mean, the interface doesn't look terribly advanced, does it? It looks more like a kind of a port rather than a, 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 an iOS-designed type thing. Well, this guy, um, what's his name, Alexander Zolotov. His other apps, like uh, Pixie Tracker and Sunvox. I don't know if you're aware of these things. Ah, but, Sunvox. Um, yes, I think that's. Uh, I think. Yeah, he uses, uh, you know, I mean, I don't think presentation is necessarily at the top of his uh, uh, agenda, but um, certainly a quite a techie approach to uh, music making it is. Um, but this is quite interesting, just the one patch, as you just 
there's almost infinite amounts of um, sounds within the one within just the one patch as I'm just looking around it. Uh, uh, so yeah, don't really understand it, but. Um, Oh, well, maybe it's something we can check for uh, a, a future version of Sonic Touch, whenever that might um, arrive. Yeah. But if you, if you wanted to check it out, um, yes, I'll put a link in the show notes. It's only five bucks or six, but it's not, you know, it's not. Uh, th- yeah, £3.99, I think it just cost me. So Look at that. Yeah. Bargain. <laughs> a bargain. Right, next. Um, ah, yes. Don't t- this is one for you, Dave. Uh, don't tell Louise. This was awesome, actually. And this is uh, by Chris Stack, uh, who uh, is a contributor at experimentalsynth.com. Uh, he used to actually be one of the, the, the kind of marketing or PR guy for Moog, so I've had quite a lot of dealings with him and met him at various shows. And he's done a couple of really interesting sort of ambient pieces, and this is... is almost visceral, and it's very vocody, obviously, but the, what he was using with this was um, TC Helicon Voiceworks, which we know and uh, is very powerful. Uh, Harmony Voice app from Versin, able to live in a bunch of Moog and other things to create interesting vocal performance environment. Uh, the analog control voltage step sequencing was done in Ableton Live and Moog Multipedal, which I think I mentioned. But it's very it, what it actually what this really threw up. I and mean, you can listen to this in its entirety at your own leisure. What it threw up for me was, you know, we've got the vocoder and we've got that sound that everybody uses the Daft Punk kind of thing. But really, given the technology that's available, we're not getting all that much really kind of cutting edge or at least i'm not aware of it i maybe you may well be able to correct me it's not the voice isn't being used as much in terms of studio work effects and this sort of technology to create new and exciting areas of music and textures as perhaps one would expect or am i off the mark who would care to jump in fingers poised on the buzzers here just buzz and you can come straight in (laughs) ah there's my look i was quick as anything Shall I, like, make loads of negative comments about it? You can say whatever you like, Mark. I can't think of anything negative to say about it, actually. This oh. is really unlike <laughs> me, isn't it? <laughs> That's good, surely. I, I, I have to say, I mean, I, I, there's something... In the same way that the first clip that we watched with the girl singing through lots of reverb, and she, I'm, apart from my technical mind picking that thing apart, there is something about her voice that moved me in that... So in the same way, so and that would be like human beings singing in a beautiful reverb space. But in the same way, there's something about what this guy is doing with this vocoder that also moved me. I got had an emotional reaction to it. Mm. And I was thinking, this is really strange because I know in my technical mind that he's probably just moaning or mumbling into that <laughs> microphone. He's, he said himself in the blog that he's not, trying to make out that by any means he's a singer, but somehow he creates this real guttural kind of Mm. human emotion in me that makes me go like, wow, that's really like kind of cool and nice and I just want to listen to more of it. And then I start analysing what he's doing with the movement. That's interesting you should say that because, I mean, he's he's not saying any words. He's just articulating, but it's it's almost like this sort of organic morphing between vowel shapes and filter shapes is essentially what he's doing and the sliding and the the other stuff. 
and that's something that is instinctive and natural and something that you know i mean if he was using more uh consonants and glottal stops and stuff you know then it would be have a different feel but it, it is yeah. it's it is i listen to lots of gregorian chant and i listen to lots of indian music because i want to listen to something again it's because of my technical mind i want to listen to something that's beyond my understanding or is coming from a different place and what he managed to do is to take technology to that place to take it to the really to a really human place and and that really intrigues me that he's managed to do that and i i guess i suppose i would want to try and replicate some of his rig and have a go at doing it myself maybe playing the notes on a midi guitar and singing or mm. something yeah no that does sound like you know i i think that's that's a, a very good way of putting it it's it is um it's what he called singing singing in tongues he calls it, it it's just got a there is, I suspect he's probably got some film work or maybe game des- music design work coming his way if he carries on doing stuff like that. Cause it does sound pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Gaz, you've actually got uh, um, a TC Helicon product. I mean, and I know you were pretty excited with what you could do with it. Have you found yourself kind of exploring these sort of things with that? Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think um, it's... It, 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 it's a really interesting area of music technology. Um, in fact, when we did the Carl Hyde tour, the, the TC Helicon um, products were really, really, you know, a major part of that of that sound that we were using. Um, in, in, in that particular instance, as Carl was singing, Angie Pollock would be playing a, a MIDI controller keyboard, which was plugged into it and was essentially sort of... Um, following what Carl was playing and, and generating harmony notes off, off his voice, uh, which uh, I know that's slightly going off topic a little bit, but, uh, you know, it, it is a really, really fantastic thing to be able to do that. I mean, this is, you know, relatively new stuff. Um, the the stuff I've been doing with mine uh, is quite interesting because this setup I described at the beginning of the show, I've got the... Uh, I've got the whole thing going into a mixing desk. Now, the output, I've got an, an output from the mix desk going back into the TC Helicon. So whatever goes on in the looping uh, can inform the Helicon of what the uh, harmonic oh, the, content right, is. Right, yeah, for the key, the key, yeah. And, and, and essentially all it's able to, to ascertain really is if it, what, the, what the tonic and whether it's major or minor. Nothing, nothing more than that. So it couldn't sort of uh, be able to work out anything uh more complex than that um but that does become quite interesting because you can get this uh incredible harmony stuff going on um of course you have to still pitch in that particular instance to um uh yeah i think what uh, what he was doing here was playing the uh auto tune wasn't he in his yeah yeah now with um yeah you can set it up like that if you turned off the dry uh, if you turned off the dry sound, so it was just entirely the, synth- the synthesized voices, and then if you you can crank up the um, pitch detection, so it'd be uh, it would auto tune it to a hundred percent the the carrier signal, uh, and then um, so then essentially that you could sing whatever you wanted to do, and uh, and then play the MIDI notes, which would then create voices, but bass. So it, it gets more into the vocoder sort of territory. Mm. Um, but uh, and, uh, where it becomes interesting for me anyway is, is the fact that you can have for each, it's like there's four voices of harmony 
uh, four harmony voices rather, and each one of those four harmony voices can have then um, can be doubled, so so it's like double tracked, right. but also turned into as well as double tracked. You can actually have four voices, like four choir voices singing each harmony part and each one of those choir voices can be doubled so so uh so you start to get like a real thickness of uh of, of tone uh and it does actually sound does sound really good i mean it's a bit artificial sounding but it's quite a nice artificial sound so it sort of uh it lends itself to uh another worldly kind of qualities um, like this chap was using i, I suppose um I think the thing that I find interesting is obviously, you know, because your mouth is essentially, you know, a multi-mode filter, isn't it? I mean, you can high pass, you can low pass, you can band pass, you can notch, you can do all sorts of things with sound in it. And just being able to use that, you know, even to minute degrees, the level that we can tweak them, you know, in terms of synthesis, using a vocoder and this to create these sort of textures, maybe freezing or what, I don't know. I mean, I don't know exactly how his setup works. Just seems like there's a whole world that you could explore there. I mean, Dave, synth synthesis, you know, you... The the the, vo the 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 human mouth can can do an enormous amount, and it really isn't really very utilised even in vocoders at this point, to a degree. Yeah, I think one of the problems has always been that it's very um, it's instantly recognisable because of the formants and stuff. I like, which is one of the things I quite like. The idea is taking a section of vocals and freezing a formant and then stretching that and mm. then using that. So it becomes kind of less recognisable. I really enjoyed what this guy was doing, actually. I didn't expect to. It is a bit new agey. I, I mean, really... there is that, and that's been, you know, but that's just, you know, fine. That's just, but, but it's very immersive. And I, I do leave kind of drones on here and then kind of, you know, sing over the top or noodle over the top with my voice and stuff like that and you can kind of kick it for hours doing that and sometimes you can get this kind of this little magic vibe which I think he succeeded in doing ah, in fact I just want to bring um, well, but yeah no Jono Wise in the chat room says the micro Korg has a freeze formant function but the vocoder's yeah. not many bands in it unfortunately so it's not quite as and I think uh, that's particular. really cool because that kind of takes it away away from being I think that there's a cheese factor isn't there with yeah. vocoders that you kind of oh. no matter what you do you kind of think ah and there you know there are classic vocoders you've got the Sennheiser you've got the VP330 that are undoubtedly classics but to some people like my miss the minute I turn it on she goes turn that off well, that's Otherwise my point my, my point is you don't have to have a, your, your idea the, the idea of freezing uh, you know, freezing formants or points in time within a, within a, you know a vowel sound or whatever is more interesting, and and the idea that you know it doesn't have to say hello world or you know whatever it may be around the world or whatever the the current phrase is that it could be nothing. It could just be a, a mouth shape frozen, oh. an R or a U or a, or, a, or, a, or you know Definitely. just something different. You get fantastic. Yeah, yeah, you can get some amazing crescendo. A vocoder just literally by you know using your mouth as a filter and then playing the right chords and just boosting it up works brilliantly you know particularly if you're reinforcing a pad or a swell or something like that yeah absolutely rich have you got any uh, deep love for vocoders i mean you know i'm guessing in in certainly in contemporary modern music production it's tend to used in that sort of root one method that it is at present you know which is the sort of the borderline auto-tune kind of vibe right yeah, 
Well, to answer your first question, yes, I love vocoders and have. But I don't consider myself that much of an authority on them, and I'm really enjoying listening to you guys talking about them because I think you guys know a lot more about them than I do. I've used them for years, and um, I enjoy using them. I don't have one that I particularly love at the moment. So um, I'm kind of interested in, in there, hearing There are some ones. very good software ones. Uh, uh, the one inside Razer is particularly good, um, I recall. Um, it's the one that stood out to me. And the software ones are getting – because they, they've got unlimited amounts of bands. And certainly in DSP and electronics, the number of bands is the limiting factor. And that's why, you know, there are only certain – it's like the kind of the, – the, the band wars. You know, you get uh, – I think the uh, microcorg had about – 16 or 12 or something uh whereas the alt the mini nova has 30 or 40 you know so these increase it really does increase the intelligibility so remind me about razor where is that found razor is um it, it's so a, in native instruments it's a native instrument yeah it's an additive synthesizer it's like a built-in um reactor but it's a it's one of those okay. compiled instruments uh, right and it's got a really good vocoder in it i must say if, it, if you're interested oh, cool. in exploring do you remember the old stereo MC? Step it out. Yeah. Was that was that vocoder on that? That, that opening intro, that was a vocoder. Yeah, that was a VC10 being tapped and then played. Ah, it's got that sort of stuff. I used to use um, an EMS VC. Yeah, I can't remember what it was. Will had it, and it, I just remember it had a knob on it that had was called stuffing, which I used to like. <laughs> and then we did a fa- you know phase of running breakbeats in and chords into them, and you get these kind of really sort of very dynamic vocal. I don't know how many bands it has. I think it was kind of pretty good, but uh, I never used it in that sense. I mean, that's one thing that vocoders can be used for: modulate one thing with another that isn't a voice that is something completely yeah. radically different. Absolutely. And that sounds you can get some brilliant sounds doing that. Yeah, you can get I used some. To feed, I used to feed different things. Uh, I think an SE50, a Boss SE50. Yes, that's right. Vocoder. And an SE70 had it. I used to stick well. a drum break in one corner and then a guitar in the other, and it used to make the drums sound like they were sort of guitars doing something weird and all, I didn't, anything. But then I got into the acoustic modelling thing on the Sound, well, Soundforge at the time, and discovered you could do all sorts of things with that as well. But it's sort of a step towards that, isn't it? That's interesting. You mentioned the SE50 and SE70. Very underrated uh, multi-effects, partly because it was that painting the, painting the hole through the letterbox. They had a tiny little display and just endless yeah. parameters. Uh, but, the, yeah. Well, actually, the SE70 was an enormous improvement uh, to the SE50 in terms of its... Uh, in terms of its uh, uh, controllability, wasn't it? I mean, um, I, had, had, I, had, a, I had a 50, <laughs> that's all I had. <laughs> oh, we had both. Well, the, the, the 50, you know, you had to step through everything, but there was like a, there was like a kind of control knob, wasn't there, on the on the SE70, so it just meant that you could kind of speed through pr- wow. um, parameters and yeah, things. A true, pi- a, a true pioneer of the alpha wheel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, SE70, though, I think, was a, a, an astonishing uh, astonishing unit. And um, Frank, in my band, he, he had one for... And he, he loved it, and he lent it to someone. He lent it to this other band, which he wasn't that keen on doing. And then the band had their car stolen, and... Oh. And and it got burnt oh, no. out, and, and oh, no. to just find just the burnt out shell of the SE70. Oh, that's such a sad <laughs> oh, no. story. Yeah, I've oh. still got an no. SE70 actually. 
Have you? I still use an SE70, yeah. It's one of my, oh, if I'm feeling like I need something different, plug that in. It's brilliant for guitar sounds, absolutely brilliant. It had a uh, lot of, uh, I remember that there was an oral exciter in there. It was quite interesting. I remember using it on a few yeah. mixes. It definitely does something. But it's to... also, uh, there's a synth in there as well. If I play my guitar through it and I use this synth, it makes my guitar sound like a 303. The tracking's not brilliant, and it all happens a bit late. But given our conversation about glitching earlier on, maybe I should, um, maybe I should pursue that sound. <laughs> Glitchy three hundred three. That sounds great. Uh, yes, uh, that, I'm glad that came up. I'd forgotten about the SE series. They were uh, great fun. In fact, multi effects used to be all the rage, didn't they? And that was the thing. I think the thing about the SEs is you could have two independent processors on left and right, so you could run them in series or parallel. That's right. Ah, oh, those oh, are the I love that in Sonic DP4 for that. You remember those? Oh, that's oh yeah, the four, that's the, four cha- the four channels, didn't it, of effect? Yeah. They're supposed to be rocking, actually. People still swear by them. Fantastic. Funny enough, Gaz, you were saying about taking that vocabulary out. So I've just bought, so Mr. Hyde, a uh, Digitech Studio vocalist, which was sent oh. to his house today. So no I've prizes for who he's well. working with. Ah, <laughs> um, cool. That's, an, that's another one of my toys that I turn to when I want to do something different. But you can, you can plug MIDI into the back of that and sing into it and play notes on a keyboard and have it completely change what's going in to what you're playing. So that's, I mean, that's pro- probably pretty much what that guy we were watching on this clip was doing. Yeah, but that, I mean, that, uh, sorry, that wrong button there, that um, TC voice engine is really remarkable and bear Better. in mind this, this has been doing that modern, for, though, it's, been do, it? it's been doing it for years and yeah. the stuff that you could do with it i mean as, as we've seen in the past you know like you say um angie playing backing vocals effectively live and i think uh there was the howard jones thing and there's the tc artist laura who's a brilliant singer songwriter she went on the road with howard jones and was doing all the backing vocals for him she just basically had a voice live and a little keyboard that she would play the so, you know, there's, there's a skill set there, isn't there? There probably aren't that many people who can come up with that and do that, but that's probably a very, um, a very useful vo- way of the, doing things. The vocalist's an old, old unit now anyway, isn't it? I mean, it, it's, it, the glitching in the vocalist is kind of part of its sound, but uh, compared to more modern ways of tuning things like Melodyne or Auto-Tune, which have been... Um, obviously, if you've got a hardware unit, it doesn't get updated, does it, with the same no, frequency? It it's probably it an old processor, but it still has its function and use. It's still a very useful piece of kit. And if you sing close to the note and then you play it, you, it doesn't get that glitchy. It's just when you if you when sing half out, half away, yeah, <laughs> okay. it starts to get a bit weird. Rich, I noticed you were talking about having the DP4. You were an exponent of that one? Well, I used to use the Ensonic vocoder in DP4 and in the ASR10. They both had a vocoder, probably the same vocoder. Um, but regarding the Digitech vocalist, I did the substantial majority of the background vocals on an album by David Lee Roth using one of those, uh, using alternate lead vocal takes in most cases. And, and we'd spent forever trying to eliminate the glitchiness which is now so fashionable. Ah, I suppose and that people seek. But you wouldn't want the glitchiness on section vocals. You might want it on individual ones, right? I don't know. I don't know the ethic about all that, but uh, I just do notice that that which I spent days <laughs> eliminating is now something that's fashionable yeah. and sought after. 
Mm. Me too. That whole TV mania thing was a case of spending a whole day trying to tune something and <laughs> and get and and do it again and again and again and again so that each little section that didn't have a glitch in it would get dropped in and then eventually you make like a four-bar phrase up that's not got the glitching in it just by doing alternate takes. Mental. Wow. Yeah. Those are the days paid by the hour, eh? Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, no longer the case, sadly. Um, yes, anyway, if you want to check that out, uh, if you go to expertsynth.com, uh, I think I had it up here, and there's a load of stuff here, actually, that uh, has been posting. Uh, filter step sequencing, there's, yeah, Profit 12. Uh, Chris is a, is, is a regular poster. Oh, there's all sorts of stuff going on here. So, yeah, it's well worth checking out. And also, they've got the um, uh, the, v, the Vo 96, the Paul Vo um, guitar stuff, too. So there's a lot of things to, to check out on that. Uh, are we able to mention the Mooga Fuga, the Mini Fugas or whatever? Oh, yes. I, I, I'm Sadly, uh, you can mention them, but I have no knowledge of them because, like I say, I was out all day yesterday and I haven't had a chance to check them out today. But if you have anything to say, then that's fine. I can, While you're talking, I can dial up a web page so that I've got something to back you up with, if you like. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was just interesting that, that they're kind of looking at expanding their their pedal range i was surprised to see that but it makes perfect sense i suppose um and uh what is it is there five or so new ones um uh, uh is it what is it mf5 let me have a look i can't see here Mooga Fuga, mini fugas they're called so mini fugas mini fugas they're just here mm-hmm. mini uh, now now there's an interesting question is it mini fogas mm-hmm. is it is it no it's mini fugas Anyway, just wanted to say that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Mini so, Fugas. Yeah, oh. well, there you go. I, I, you know, I, I rest my case. Yeah. Oh, look, there's a MF Ring, MF Delay, MF Trem, MF Boost, MF Button. Yeah, it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? You can just imagine yeah. a, a guitarist wanting a bit of Moog on his uh, pedal board. But no oh, they're coming in at under $200 a, a unit. Are they? Uh, no, filter. so. no filters, Richard. Mm, See that? They, not a filter among them. Maybe, you know, maybe there might be a, a knob that controls one, but there's not an actual. <laughs> well, maybe no. it's down to the, uh, what they can get in them. I don't know. I, 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 I'm, I have no knowledge of, of this just yet, but I'm sure we'll what, take you a mean, look. Physically in terms of the size of the filter? Well, no, for the cost, I'm thinking. Oh, yeah. Well, no, they choose not to compromise their filter product by selling one for 180 bucks. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. That, I want to see Moog much bigger on them. I don't see any branding. What's going on? That's just that's no good. People want to <laughs> yeah, buy. Yeah, let's it. see that again. The Moog, sorry, once again. There's no there's no Moog on them. Maybe. What? I reckon they'll have uh, they'll do an old person's range, won't they? With really big writing and big knobs and stuff, and maybe call it the old Foger. Oh, oh the Fogey. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good idea. I'm liking. The- Apparently, there's a um, ladder filter in one of them. Echo Sonic says in the chat room. Uh, can you going, modulate it? Uh, I don't know. That's my next question. Yeah, that's I'd a, be surprised. That'd be cool if you could. Yeah, I can't see. Uh, well, I suppose let's have a look. Is there a, a control input on the delay? Let's have a look. Oh yeah, look. There's some buttons. There's some or uh, an envelope or envelope to the you know. Oh, look, I'm seeing. Ah, there's oh, expression. Back. Yes, there's an expression input ah, on that one. Yeah. And let's see. Uh, a ring. MF ring is there? 
they seem to all have expression in them, so it just depends on what the expression will um, control. Will, will control. Well, for example, in the ring modulator, it's probably controlling the frequency of one of the oscillators. Yeah, I would guess. And of one of the sources, the uh, oscillator source. Speed, depth, tone, shape. Or maybe it's assignable, I don't know, because I imagine there's probably a combination of DSP and electronics in them based on the price, but I am completely guessing here. I mean, we'll try and get some in for review, of course. Yeah, 189 Mm. bucks, it says right there. And I think that's all of them. They're going to sell bucket loads of them, I'm sure. Hope they get the the reliability okay on them. I know that the the, the Moogafugas, there's been certain issues, certainly with the delay unit... um, so, I, I, you know, because these are very much marketed as uh, guitar effects, I think, rather than... I think the Mookafugas was more just general, aimed at all, everything, weren't they? Keyboard yeah, players. yeah. But these look very much like they're going at that that very lucrative, I may say, uh, guitar market, you know. Yeah, where, I mean, that, um, that's right, yeah. I mean, there, there's some amazing boutique products I just look at. Nice to see um, that's fixed on with rivets. There we go. I just bought a rivet gun. You're, you're right about the branding, though. Needs to be bigger, doesn't it? It's just... It's, it's too insane. small. Yeah. What are they thinking? Anyway, um... <laughs> uh, yes, so, no, so, yes, you can talk about them, and we have, and they do look like they're going to be uh, interested. We'll try and get some, because um, we've got some great guitar reviewers here who will give them uh, a good workout, I'm sure. Um, what else do we have? Have you finished with that line six thing yet? Have I finished with the line six thing? Yeah, it's on. It's on. Um, it's up. It's probably going it? back back shortly. What the uh, the Pod HD five hundred X? Oh no, I want to try the Pod HD Pro, the rack mounted one. Oh, I haven't got one of those. Oh, sorry about that. I have to ask them myself. Aren't you? Aren't you an unofficially endorsed artist? Apparently so, but I can never find my picture on their website, but it might be because my hair is too crazy. They just can't fit it in. (laughs) (laughs) They don't know which picture to use, Mark. You are like a kind of chameleon of hair. It's just completely different every time. No one would recognise you. They'll pick the picture of you with a hat. I became an endorsee right at the point when the person that dealt with the endorsees left. (laughs) So I think maybe my photograph's probably in her drawer somewhere, in the old office even. Yeah, they moved. That's poor timing there, but I'm sure you can work it out. I'll have to wear a star on my shirt and look all glamorous or something, won't I? Yeah, we could just send him a screenshot from uh, one of the podcasts. (laughs) Yeah, that one. (laughs) Uh, anyway, uh, good fun. Um, right, well, it's quarter past five. I guess we could probably, uh, given the paucity of news there seems to be about this place, it wouldn't be a bad idea to um, to save some of these topics till next week, just in case there's nothing else going on. Uh, we did, uh, although there was the news that, um, obviously, um, uh, Mr. Dol- Ray Dolby did pass away. Um, and there was a quite, I mean, which I think... and. and, and and, and, you know, we didn't talk about that at the time. Maybe we can talk about it another time, because obviously pioneers like that don't, don't stick around. But um, there was uh, somebody in the chat room, I forget who it was, I don't think I can scroll back far enough, po- posted a joke, which I think is accept- an acceptable joke, um, given the man's work, which was that uh, it was his funeral was last week, uh, and it may well have been, and I hope, uh, obviously, condolences to the family, but the wake was very quiet. <laughs> I think that's oh, acceptable. I, I don't think that's bad taste. Some- 
somebody uh, that when he died, they had a minute's noise reduction. A minute's no, a minute's silence. <laughs> oh, no, bless. That's, I, I think that's great because it's sort of harmless, but you know, uh, and they still have plenty of respect because that, that guy. As I said, I think at the time, obviously knew a really good lawyer as well to license his technology the way he did. I mean, that's just astonishing. That's one guy who invented this kind of process. Uh, I, I could, you know, could be so, could get it absolutely everywhere. And it must mean that he was so far ahead of the game because there, there were other, there were and have been other kind of attempts, but Dolby was the one really that just got everywhere. So that's some mean licensing that, that they sorted out. Cause well, it was, do you know why? Why? Because the original um, hi-fi cassette deck, which was, I believe, an advent product of Massachusetts fame, um, he went ahead and built this noise reduction system to work for that. And it was the, he got in on the ground floor, basically. That's ah, why. Ah, okay. And everybody else said, wow, this thing, you know, it's much quieter with the Dolby noise reduction in. Or, you know, I can switch it out and get much more high-frequency boost. So uh, they, they, uh, he got in at the ground floor. That's why. And then he kept developing it. He got to Dolby B and Dolby C, um, and things got better. I, know, all, all, I, all I remember was when it got to Dolby S, you had to hire racks in when you because some people you know you get when we when we would sometimes get multi tracks uh, for remix. Somebody would send it with Dolby S on it. It was like oh Christ! Now we've got to hire yeah. uh, racks of Dolby S to decode the stuff. Well, and you got to tune them to the Dolby tones that come with the reels too, because it's very sensitive stuff if you want it to work right. Uh, oh. I didn't know that. That's probably why Thanks. that remix wasn't so good. <laughs> <laughs> Dolby Vax had, had uh, calibration controls, and you were supposed to use tones to uh, calibrate your Dolby's. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Anyway, um, I think. I think didn't, it, didn't it have a? It had a noise floor of like 124 dB or something, didn't it? I mean, it was way ahead of digital in terms of. Uh, in dynamic range, wasn't it, Dolby S? Yes. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. It was a frequency-dependent companding process that only acted on the high frequencies, and so it wasn't very obvious to people. You didn't hear a lot of pumping. And uh, yeah. when properly tuned, it worked and sounded great, but it was very rarely properly tuned. Ah, that's the trick. So you had to have, like, a scientist to come along and set your Dolby system up. Well, I used to tune up knocking Made by tape. the hour. At oh, yeah. one time in my life, I was in a Nakamichi service center, and I used to tune up Nakamichi tape decks. And uh, I once had a Nakamichi dragging out to uh, 23K with Dolby C in at minus 20. Wow. Well, they were, Nakamichi were, they were, were, the, yeah, the, they the, were the bee's knees in terms of tape decks. And yeah. as I remember, they had a very beautiful eject um, motion as well, we had which a, was very we important. Had a Nakamichi, we had a Nakamichi cassette deck with which took... I don't know if it took metal tapes or chrome tapes. I can't remember which. But I know that we had a Revox mastering machine and we used to master to the Nakamichi cassette. This was before that because the Nakamichi cassette sounded way, way better than the Revox quarter inch. So that's how good they were. Really? Wow. Yeah, really. Could have sent them both to me. Uh. I would have gotten them both sounding great. Um well, but a Nakamichi cassette deck well tuned was a thing of beauty. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, on that uh, um, trip down memory lane, I think maybe it's time to. Uh... Right, Ray Dog, we had a fantastic quote, which I think. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Nick. We just had a f- really fantastic quote, which I think is re- when we read it after his obituary and whatnot, we were kind of going, I that. I think that echoes the sentiment of an awful lot of uh, people in the creative industry, and it is that 
I think a lot of developments start with the desire of the developer to get what he really wants so he can use it. It is not just the technical fascination or the business opportunity. And that really resonated with us. Yeah. Oh, well, that's good. Thank you for that quote, Dave. And on that note and quote, I think we should probably um, say goodbye. Uh, I've got a head off um, um, back to back to base and thanks very much for watching everybody and uh, as you probably guessed um, you know that this HD business is getting easier and easier week by week less the problems become less so uh, anyway but thank you very much for hanging with us at the beginning where I just had a little bit of tweakery but uh, I think we got there in the end so I want to say thank you to everybody and also I mustn't forget that uh, we do have um, our sponsors we haven't got a competition this week but thank you very much um, for uh, their sponsorship do check out Isotope RX3. Uh, go to isotope.com forward slash RX and download your 10-day free demo. In the meantime, we'll say goodbye to our hosts. I'll start over here with uh, Mark Tinley. <laughs> Mark, uh, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure to have you, as ever. Yeah, you're very welcome. That's all right. I was going to say, the animals, say that should, no, the animals are going a bit mental. Uh, I, I was watching that guy, Cesar Milan, the dog whisperer, and I think I'm more of the dog bellower or shouter <laughs> or the dog, I'm so upset I'm going to tweet mad things at three o'clock in the morning because I feel like bursting into tears. So it's not going very well at the moment. Uh, I'm sure it'll work out in the Although end. He's, he is asleep at the moment. I don't know. He knows that he's not allowed to interrupt the Sonic State podcast. So maybe well, that's the only important there. thing. Thank you very much, Mark. Mark Tinley, <laughs> likebeing.com. Very well. And uh, we'll say thank you very much to Gaz Williams, uh, leaning nonchalantly. You look like you're about to commentate on a, some sporting event, maybe a racing car, Formula One or something. Um, someone asked me, oh, well, someone said in the chat room earlier about what microphone am I using. Is that and a Sennheiser? Can... Ooh. Is that a 421 with a bit of silver tape around the top? <laughs> it's a bit... This is a 421 that I... I was walking along a street and someone was having a little, like, uh, a little sale of bits and bobs out the front of their house. Um, and I bought it for £5. That's a Jubilee 41. clip, isn't it? Oh. Uh, no, it's just just little uh, plastic... Um, zip tie. Uh, zip tie. I used, to, I used to use those. They were cla- great for toms. They always used to be. And brass. That was the microphone of Seal. He only used to sing through one of those when I first started working with him and had been told that it gave him a good sound. And as his front of house sound engineer, I have to say that when you have a man standing two feet away from one of them and going, why is it feeding back? And trying to explain it. <laughs> uh, bless him. Indeed. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is a, it's, a dynamic, it's a dynamic mic. I mean, I, it's one of my favourite mics to use on... Uh, on Tom's, yeah, uh, Tom Tom's, uh, but I, I just thought I'd plug it in for a bit of fun. I don't know yeah, what it no, sounds it does like. Sound, it does sound nice, actually. It's got that Sounds dynamic good, sound. Yeah, really good. Yeah, really good. Well, it's actually it's got a little adjuster at the bottom here, which you can change it between M and S, which is music and speech. And basically, that I think it's varying degrees of uh, roll off. Bass is, I thought, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I don't. So got it over that. to the speech, the speech, uh, the, the speech part at the moment. Yeah, it sounds good. Good choice there, Gaz. Anyway, thank you very much. And also, Mr. Rich Hilton over there in Connecticut, who's, as, as we know, has always got a, a car with the engine running, whisking, ready to whisk him off to make hits for Nile Rogers. A hybrid car with the inverter whirring away. <laughs> right. Anyway, Rich, thank you very much for joining us this week. Hiltonius.com for all things Rich. Have a good week, and hopefully we'll speak to you again very soon.
Thanks, Nick. And uh, finally, Dave Spears back there in uh, in Synthland. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, Ready? Yeah. Oh. How many people am I going to be able to annoy in the next week with that? Easily. You should, you should create gem. a doorbell tone Brilliant. with that or maybe uh, a ringtone. You should just basically sell ringtones made with a cat stick. As I said, <laughs> cat, sti- cat stick really does sound too close to cat sick or something that you might prod an animal with but I, I like the idea of it i guess the stick part is the joystick right yeah i think it's more like catnip cat for sound people <laughs> <laughs> excellent anyway thank you very much everybody uh that was sonic talk number 333 and i'm gonna fade to black now <laughs>